Proverbs 19, 2 through 3. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? A person's own folly leads to their ruin, yet their heart rages against the Lord. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. In Proverbs 19.22. What a person desires is unfailing love. Better to be poor than a liar. The word of the Lord. Can I steal that from you? Thank you. Let me pray for us. Lord, uh, guide us now. As we look into your wisdom literature, um, as we uh, kind of taste uh, and meditate on these very deep uh, things, I pray that you would uh, help us sit in these and awaken our hearts uh, in particular to this topic of desire. Uh, Lord, we, we are desiring beings and we live with a lot of it. Uh, and so, Lord, would you guide us now into the very nature of it, uh, that we may live from that true foundation um, in our lives, uh, in our relationships, and in this world. So only you can do that. Uh, teach us, Holy Spirit. Guide us now. Uh, apply this truth to our hearts in your name. Amen. All right, have a seat. So this up- upcoming week, um, hey, will you grab me a glass of water? Thanks. Uh, This upcoming week, uh, we will go to Indiana to visit my parents, which we do uh, most summers. And we stay in the same room in my parents' house every time we go. And in that room, in a closet in that room, there's a coat. And it's a purple Columbia parka uh, with fleece like Aztec print on the inside. So some of you who are older than 40 know you can identify this coat in your mind. It's very bright uh, purple with the Aztec print and like toggle, uh, toggle uh, buttons and things like that. And I remember exactly where I was when I got the coat. Uh, I was standing in a store in Marion, Indiana called Galleons, uh, which doesn't exist anymore. And I was with my mom, and I remember saying this sentence to my mom. I was probably maybe, I don't know, junior high age probably. And I said this, if I can get this coat, I will never want another coat again in my life. <laughs> I, remember, I remember arguing with my mom and saying, it will last forever. I will never want another coat. And that is actually what I believed at that moment that I believed uh, that my desire was for that coat. I will never have a desire for another jacket, which if you know me uh, and you come to my house, my wife has got an issue with how many jackets I have. Uh, My desire was for this object and getting it would satisfy the very nature, the very extent of my desire. And I laugh every time I see the coat. My mom saves it because my mom doesn't know how to throw away anything, but it's this hilarious reminder every time I go home of how much I don't really understand the depth of my desire. Wisdom literature is where we're spending our time this summer looking at the way of wisdom or uh, the opposite of that, which the Bible calls the way of folly. And Proverbs says that folly is bound up in the heart of a child. And I certainly was demonstrating that in that moment in Galleons. And we can laugh about the coat story, right? 
Um, but most of our lives, I would argue, are actually lived with some degree of what you saw in that story. Some degree of that sense. And maybe it's not so overt uh, and so laughable as that. This feeling of desire for something all the time. For something, for someone. And even sometimes, like my coat story, eventually we find ourselves getting the thing that we desired or some form of the thing we desired only then in time to find ourselves wanting again for something else. There's more desire underneath that desire. Ecclesiastes, the author of Ecclesiastes, the famous refrain throughout Ecclesiastes is meaningless, meaningless, right? And he claims this, and he had the means to do it. I mean, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes author would have been a, a, a Bill Gates of the day. He had everything, all the means to accomplish this statement. He said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. And at the end of it all, what I came to was this sense of it can't give me, it can't deliver on the meaning that my heart most deeply longs for. And a few of us stop and ask ourselves a very critical question. It's the question that these verses are posing to us this morning. It's wisdom's question to consider this. What if my desire that gets attached and aimed at many things is about something else entirely. That's what I'm asking you to consider this morning. What if my desire that gets attached and it gets aimed at many things in this life, it's really about something else entirely? It's deeper than the material things that I desire. It's deeper than the relational things that I desire. It's deeper than the temporal things. All those things, they're not bad things, and you'll hear me say that again. They're not bad things, but they're not ultimate things. And what if I'm spending so much of my effort, so much of my energy trying to gain and trying to acquire what I believe I desire, and what if my desire is about something else? What if my desire is really all about one thing? And it's something that I have to receive rather than go out and get. Wouldn't that be good to know? Wouldn't it be good to live in an awareness of that, if that were the case? Like C.S. Lewis in his book, The Weight of Glory, and I'm, I'm going to drop a lot of books because this is something I've thought a lot about. <laughs> Weight of Glory, if you want to go read some, something about this, go read that book. It's a very short essay. But he calls it the inconsolable secret that he's trying to rip open. It's all about this. What would it change? How would I navigate my life? How would it affect my choices and my decisions? How would I live with wisdom if I understood the depth and the nature of my desire? So three things I want us to consider out of this passage. First one is this, understanding the depth of our desire and acknowledging that, living in the reality of that. The second thing is this, that we see in Proverbs 19.2, uh, where it says, how much more will hasty feet miss the way? So first, understanding the depth of our desire. Secondly, haste, the danger of acting on misunderstood desire. It's a dangerous thing. And then thirdly, hearts that rage, as it says there that your heart can rage against the Lord, 
Hearts that rage or hearts that are satisfied. Okay? Those are the three things we're going to talk about. First one, acknowledging or understanding the depth of our desire. Desire without knowledge is not good, Proverbs 19. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? So this proverb assumes something at the very outset. It assumes something about the people hearing it, and it's this, that they have a problem. They have a fundamental problem, and it's this, that they don't have knowledge about their desire. They don't understand it. They don't know what it's really all about. They feel deeply. They desire things, but they don't really know what it's all about. In fact, I, would, I told a friend this. It's not that they feel deeply. It's that they don't feel deeply enough. They're not getting down to the very roots of what their desire is actually about. They've got a problem. They don't know about their desire. And so in some ways... Every single day that I live unaware of my desire, I'm flying blind. I'm literally needing knowledge and truth to be brought to my desire to actually inform and tell me this is what your desire is actually about. It's like uh, the danger of going to the grocery store hungry. You've all been told not to do that, right? How many of you? Emily, she hates sending me to the grocery store because I will never just get what's on the list. I will constantly, I see a lot of eyes turning now towards spouses. I will constantly fill the cart with other things. You don't go to the grocery store hungry because you'll end up buying things that you don't want, you don't really need. And this proverb starts us off and says, you need knowledge, you need wisdom about what your desires are about, and who is going to tell you about that. Like, Think about the amount of money, the amount of energy that goes into advertising and goes into marketing to try to explain to us and tell us this is what your desires are for. We got the Restoration Hardware Look book, Cookbook Encyclopedia of Excellence. Uh, have you seen this thing? I mean, it, it literally was like this thick, and I was looking through it and just going, yes, my... House looks nothing like this. My life looks nothing like this. And I thought about this. I, I've maybe bought a doorknob <laughs> at Restoration Hardware. And they, they have spent whatever amount of money producing one of these high-quality magazines to send it to me hoping that I will belly up to the bar of Restoration Hardware because they tell me what I want. I haven't even spent money there. And they're spending money to try to teach me about my desire. Nothing wrong with the restoration hardware, but you get the point. Wisdom, we looked at this the first week, it says in Proverbs, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I've got to come to Him. I've got to come to His Word, which is you know, Him in written form, I've got to come to him in order to understand, fear him, be in relationship with him in order to understand my desires. Restoration hardware cannot tell me about what my desires are about. And so what does it say here? One of the other things we read, Ecclesiastes 3.11, he has made everything beautiful in its time. He set eternity in the human heart. Wow. That's a serious sentence, right? Like, do you realize that you walk around Scripture says this, that you walk around with the weight of eternal desire, eternity in your heart. 
I mean, some of you who have been pregnant know what it means to walk around with a baby inside of you. I remember at times, you know, the baby would move, and I'm like, oh, watch this. And I remember watching it going, holy cow, like, there's a living being inside of you. <laughs> it's kind of creepy a little bit when you see the arm move across the stomach. Scary, right? But it, she's pregnant with something. That's what that's saying to us. You're pregnant with the desire for eternity. Do you realize that? 2 Corinthians 5 talks about having the Holy Spirit inside of you, and it literally says the Spirit groans within us, longing to be clothed with our glorious bodies for the mortal to be swallowed up in life. You walk around with that every day. You go to your job with that every day. You come to your spouse or your friends with that or the relationship you want to have every single day. With the weight of that desire in your chest. That's what wisdom says. That's what the Lord says about your heart. Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? I'm not sure if I'm being honest about myself and being honest about most of the people I spend time with. Most of us don't operate that way. Like waking up every day and saying, I'm going to be aware of the reality that I've got desires, eternal deep longings and desires that I'm carrying around with me every single day. Most of us, me included, operate on a place uh, and on a level of, I don't, I don't acknowledge that before the Lord, but I, I do what I call, and some of you have heard me joke about this, I call it my beliefs. That's where my feelings have become my beliefs right? My beliefs. I want to belief that. I mean, culturally, we are literally taught that our feelings are what's true, right? What I feel, therefore I am. Not that I have to bring my feelings to the truth, like my feelings are like these little children that I have to bring along and say, hey, I know you don't understand everything that's going on, but let me, let me tell you what's going on. My feelings have to be brought to the truth so that my feelings can either be curbed because they, they may need some curbing or some directing. They may need to be re-aimed or reined in. They may have gotten out of control, right? Augustine in the fourth century wrote all about this, the reordering of our desires, I'm either going to live from a place of understanding and, and believing the Lord is the one who teaches me about my desires. The fear of the Lord is the thing that teaches me about the eternity in my heart, in my heart or I'm going to live out of a place of my beliefs. And I'm going to buy into the restoration hardware. I'm going to buy into Dos Equis, right? The Dos Equis guy, you know? He says, what? Stay thirsty, my friends. You don't have to stay thirsty. You are thirsty. The question is, is what is your thirst for? Desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? What is our desire about? Proverbs 19.22, what a person desires is unfailing love. It's better to be poor than a liar. Your thirst is about that. I dare you to believe it. I dare you to believe that that if you pulled up every desire that you have, at the bottom of it, what you'd find 
is this, I want unfailing love. This is what you desire. And in fact, the scripture is telling you this, it's better to be poor. And none of us like being poor, do we? I don't want to be poor. I don't want to be in need. I don't want to lack. It's, he's saying this, it's better to be in that place, not having many of the things that distract us or deceive us about what our desire is about. It's better to be poor than to live in the lie that what you most deeply long for is unfailing love. And who or what is going to love me with an unfailing love? Because most of our lives are spent in search of that. And oftentimes, if I'm honest, in search of that through things that can't deliver that. They can give a foretaste of it, they can kind of scratch the itch of it, but they can't deliver unfailing love. So what David said in Psalm 63, which I read for us in the call to worship, O oh God, you are my God, I earnestly seek you, my soul thirsts for you. Is he talking about a feeling or is he talking about reality? Is he just expressing his feelings right now or is he saying, no, the reality of my life is that my soul thirsts for you, period. And he goes on to say, because of that, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary beholding your power and your glory because your steadfast love, it's the same word for unfailing love, your steadfast love is better than life. He goes on to say, I remember you, I meditate on you. You have been my help in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. My right hand or your right hand upholds me. You, 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 I'm going to meditate on this. I'm going to grind on this. I'm going to screw this down into my heart and my mind because this is what's true. And my feelings are going to come to that. Why did I want the coat, the purple parka that lives in my mother's closet? I wanted the coat to be cool. I wanted to be cool because cool people are loved. It wasn't about the coat, was it? The coat would give me what I wanted, which was love. What I most deeply desire, what I most deeply need. Unfailing love, it's our spiritual DNA, and our quest is to find the source of it. Because I'm made to be loved. And I actually believed as a child that coat would do it. We're made for unfailing love. And everything that comes with unfailing love, which it's, it's true here and it's saying it repletely throughout Scripture, that the only source of unfailing love is the love of God. It's the only love that will not fail you. And so when I get the unfailing love of God, when I taste the unfailing love of God, I experience the unfailing love of God like David unfolds in Psalm 63. I get everything that comes with him. So I get things like this, the promises of God, which scripture says are all yes in Christ Jesus. So I get everything that God has promised me. I may not get it all right in this moment and experience it all in its fullness right in this moment, but it is true, secure, and unchanging. It's unfailing. I get his promises. I get the rest and peace 
that even though it may not be all right today, it will be all right. So I get the promises of God in his unfailing love. I get the peace of God. He says when he leaves the disciples, my peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. I do not give to you as the world gives to you. As Restoration Hardware gives to you or Dos Equis gives to you, I don't give to you that way. I'm giving you a peace that's far deeper than all of that temporal stuff. I get the promises of God. I get the peace of God. I get the presence of God. I will not leave you as orphans. You are not alone. I'm with you. I know it's going to be hard. You will have trouble in this world. Take heart. You're not alone. The promises, the peace, the presence. And lastly, this, and this is important, the passions of God. When I experience the unfailing love of God, when you are loved by God and you know it, and it's gotten deep into your bones, you actually begin to love and desire what he loves and desires. I love what he loves. I love how he loves. I love who he loves. I love when he loves. I become this absolute dispensary of the unfailing love of God through me. We have to understand and acknowledge the depth of our desire. It was made for unfailing love, and there's only one place to get it. Secondly, haste. The danger of acting on misunderstood desire. It says there, desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? So keep going with me. If my desire is for unfailing love and I don't get that desire met, I don't experience any satisfaction, as Mick Jagger said. If I don't experience that through someone who can deliver, which is the Lord, I will go to something else. Even a good thing, a created thing, something that God has made for me to enjoy and engage with, I will go to something else and try to get from it what only God can give me. That's what this proverb is saying. You gotta beware of haste. Haste is when you believe that you know what your desire is about and I'm gonna go. I was pulling up videos, I was thinking about showing this morning of cruise ships crashing into docks. I know. This is what you do at 10 o'clock at night when you're a preacher and you're trying to figure out like what would be a good picture for this? Have you seen these? I mean, this happens every so often, right? These giant, like a cruise ship or a barge pulls into like shallow water and they realize, oh no, we're going too fast. And people are like, oh, hey, look at the cruise ship. And they're like, nah! And it's like, docks and things are exploding. Just get, there's like massive compilations on the internet. Go look it up. <laughs> but that, that's what it looks like when I don't understand my desire and in haste I act. I'm literally bringing this giant cruise ship called my desire for unfailing love, and I'm pulling it into the harbor of something too small, like my job or a relationship, and I literally, it's all great, it's all great, until it's not all great. And there's carnage. And you know what I'm talking about. James 4 gets at this. Go study the first part of James 4. He gets at this haste of acting on and not understanding our desires, the effects of it. 
And he says this, it's the source of almost every conflict in your life. Conflict inside of you and conflict with others outside of you. He says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. What is he saying? He's saying that you're fighting and you're quarreling for something that only God can give you. Not God's going to give you the thing that you're coveting after. He's saying the source of that desire is God himself. That word for desire that James used, it's, it's the word, you've heard me preach on this before, epithemia. It's, it's not saying that it's a bad desire to want good relationships or to want to be successful in your job or to want, uh, you know, uh, money even, a desire for money. Those aren't bad things. But the word epidesire is actually the word that means to desire something good in a way that has gone beyond what's good. It's an over-desire for something that is good. And James is saying, when you over-desire what is good, and you aim the weight of your desire, which is for unfailing love on these things, you've got desire that's running outside of the banks of the river. It's desire that's beyond its boundaries. It's beyond its limits. It's beyond the fear of the Lord, which brings order and appropriate portions to your desires. It's desires that operate under his way, under his rule. And James is saying, when you don't understand your, your initial and your deepest desire, which is for unfailing love, you will bring it to all of these things, and they will become epi-desires for those things. And you will, you will crush them. They will buckle under the weight of the desire that you're bringing to them. I have the words garlic bread in my notes. So when I was a little kid, I loved garlic bread. This will not have any point to it. Uh, garlic bread is fantastic, right? You know, the kind with the, the foil that your mom used to get, and it's just basically butter with, like, crust on the outside of it. I ate so much garlic bread one time as a child that my mom put a limit on my garlic bread intake from then on out. Even if I go to my parents' house to this day, she will only let me eat two pieces of garlic bread because I... I ate so much garlic bread, I sweat garlic, and my sheets were yellow when I woke up the next morning. <laughs> I had an epi desire. <laughs> me, me wants some garlic bread. There's nothing wrong with a desire for garlic bread, but when I bring the weight of glory... <laughs> To my desire for garlic bread, it's bad. You ruin your bed sheets. So let's, let's just think about this for a second. Let's just talk about three areas, success, money, and relationships. Many of you, I mean, man, we're in Nashville, right? This is a happening city. Um, full of industry, full of entrepreneurialism, full of arts, creativity, education, full of highly capable people. And so there's a big desire for success here in the city. And there's nothing wrong with that, a desire to succeed. There's nothing wrong with a desire to be excellent, to be great at what you do. But when what's under my desire or drive to succeed is to try to get or secure unfailing love 
through my accomplishment. You see what happens there? The danger? This really isn't about me being excellent at my job anymore. It's about me trying to get something from my job that it can't give me. You saw the, the fist fight that broke out in Colorado at a seven-year-old baseball game? You see this video? Go online. 30 adults ended up in a multiple hospitalization sucker punch fist fight at a seven-year-old's baseball game over a bad call by a 13-year-old umpire. Yeah. <laughs> the young baseball players here in the front are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All these parents, they want their kids to succeed, right? I want my kids to succeed. I want them to do well. Of course they do. Well, is it possible that my desire for that and the source that I believe that's going to deliver that, my kid being a baseball player, that that epi desire is running crazy? And as a result, I'm on CNN sucker punching another dad. We laugh about that, and we think, God, not me. I just throw better sucker punches. They just don't show up on the news. I do the same thing. Desire for money. We all already know the song, right? Can't buy me love. Why, do we, why does that song exist? Because we believe that I can get love through having what money gives me, which is security and power and the wealth and the means to satisfy my desires. I actually believe that. I was thinking about this, that the fruit of the Spirit, the beginning, first three, love, joy, peace, right? Think of how much of our lives is spent believing that money is what can give me love, joy, and peace. Scripture, wisdom is telling you, it's not the fruit of money. The fruit of the Spirit is what can give me that. Money can give me other things, but it can't give me that. Not for long. How about the desire for relationships? It's again, it's a part of what it means for us to be human. We were created to live in relationship with one another. God has made us this way. He says, it's not good for you to be alone. But I'm, I'm created to be in relationships in the design and in the way that God has created us. And I can bring over-desire the desire for unfailing love, I can bring that to my human relationships. How could God not want that for me in the way that I want it? And many of my relationships look like that, those ship videos, right? I'm the cruise ship coming into the harbor of this relationship and just ask every person I dated before my wife, yeah, Dave, I feel the weight of you bringing the desire for unfailing love to me, and I can't handle the weight of it. No relationship, no marriage can give me unfailing love. But it can be a place where the unfailing love of God frees us up to fail one another and live a life of love and forgiveness and repentance and grace that points us to the one who can. What you desire is unfailing love. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? 
Mm. So much to say. Go study. I'm just going to encourage you to write this, write this down. Go look at 1 Corinthians 13. It's the famous chapter that gets read in every wedding and has nothing to do with weddings. It has everything to do with what we're talking about this morning, which is you can have the tongue of men and angels, and you can have wisdom and fathom all mysteries, and you can be social justice-minded and serve and give everything to the poor, and you can do that all from a place of trying to get love rather than operating out of the fact that you have it. It's saying that we can spend our entire lives doing all these wonderful things on the surface, and really what it's all about is this quest for unfailing love. And the call of 1 Corinthians, the call of Scripture is saying, come and feed and feast on my love for you. And when you do that, it will change how you go about using all those gifts, using all that wisdom, using all that talent, leveraging all the things in the ways that God's made you for the world around you. So instead of haste, I'm going to encourage you to do this. Practice halt. Okay? Another H word. Clever. Practice halt instead of haste. That's why in Psalm 139 it says, Search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What's he saying there? You're the one who knows my heart. You're the one who understands the depth of my desire. Search me, know me, talk to me through my anxieties, through my fears, and lead me in the way everlasting. Who can bring knowledge to my desire and teach me about it? Who can order it? Who can aim it? correctly. Proverbs says, the purposes of a man's heart are deep waters. Deep waters that that cruise ship has got to be swimming in. That ship's meant for deep water, not shallow. Deep water. The purposes of a person's heart are deep waters, but the man of understanding draws them out. You have the man of understanding if you have Christ. He's created your heart. You don't have to become the man of understanding. You have the man of understanding. And we come to him and he says, let me teach you about the deep water of your heart. The purposes of your heart, what your longings are really all about. Instead of haste, we halt. And what we do is we expose that initial desire that culture says, as soon as you feel it, act on it. You're hungry, why wait? Get a Snickers. I don't know. Maybe I don't want a Snickers. No, no, you definitely do. I halt and I expose that initial desire to the counsel of another, to the one who has made my heart. And when I do that, I actually, I, I pull up to what Proverbs says is woman wisdom or woman follies table. <laughs> Proverbs 9, go study it. I don't even know if we'll get to preach on it this summer. Woman wisdom who's calling out and saying, come and eat at my table and I will teach you what your heart is really about. And woman folly, she's standing at the same place in the city and she's screaming out the exact same promises, come and eat at my table. And at woman folly's table, Proverbs 9 says that the dead are in there, that it is a pathway to the grave. I have to halt and when I halt, I come to woman wisdom's table, the poetic personification of the person of God. And I feast at that table. And I need to feast at that table. I have to halt because if I don't halt, then I'll make a mistake. What Proverbs 4 says, above all else, guard your heart because everything you do flows from it. I got to halt. And in halting, I'm actually guarding my heart because I live out of my desires. 
God knows this. He's made you this way. I live out of my desires, and I have to guard those desires. I have to understand those desires. I have to have knowledge added to my desire. Because everything I do is going to flow from that place of desire. So we have to understand the nature of our desire, the depth of our desire. How much more will hasty feet miss the way? There's a, there's a danger in haste acting quickly on misunderstood desire, so we have to halt. And lastly, hearts that rage are hearts that find satisfaction. I had a hard time knowing how to end this one. Rage is an interesting word, isn't it? A person's own folly leads to their ruin, so they act, they act on desire that they don't understand, and it leads to to hard things, ruin. And yet their heart rages against God. Rage is, is, is a form of blame in this sense. I'm raging against you. Now I know that there are things that happen in our lives uh, that create sadness, legitimate heartbreak. Um, there are desires that we feel that go unmet and we disagree with the Lord on a lot of things but rage is this place to where um, when I get to the place of rage, I'm basically saying uh, I am utterly superior to you um, because I'm raging against you. Like when I think about when I rage against something, I, I see myself as, as wholly better, right? I'm above. And this scripture is warning us about something, saying if you don't understand your desire, that's where you'll eventually get. You'll get to a place where you'll rage against the Lord. But there's another option through this process of understanding our desire and halting. And that's this, hearts that find satisfaction. And I'll just say it this way. If you never are satisfied by the unfailing love of God, then you will be perpetually, chronically dissatisfied with everything else in your life. If you never taste of the unfailing love of God you will eventually, perpetually, and chronically be dissatisfied with everything else in your life. And if you taste of the unfailing love of God, even when you face dissatisfaction, it will be framed within those promises that I talked about, the promises, the presence, the peace, and the passions of God. Even when I experience dissatisfaction, it'll be framed within the unfailing love of God. The prayer of Moses in Psalm 90 says this, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Return, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Teach me. I need to gain a heart of wisdom. And then what does he say? Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all of our days. Satisfy us in the morning. Just really practically, I just encourage you, what we're talking about today is something you have to wake up and acknowledge every single day in the morning. All right, Lord, what's today about? Am I going to bring the cruise ship of my desire <laughs> to the weight of this day? Have you ever ruined a day? Because I mean, we do this on vacation all the time. You get a couple of days off and you, know, you try to pack everything in. What are you doing there? You're bringing the weight of desire to too short of a time. You're bringing eternity into two days of vacation. And then you go home angry. 
Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. Satisfy me, Lord. Ecclesiastes says, I can find satisfaction even in my toil because it's a gift from God. And apart from him, I can't get it. And so the way I, 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 I step away from a heart that rages into a heart that is satisfied is I'm satisfied daily by his unfailing love. I feel deeper. <laughs> Not just I feel deeply, I feel deeper. I don't feel deep enough often. And feeling deeper brings me beyond the objects of my heart's desire, my timing for those things. The things that my heart's desire has become attached to. And it frees it up for its true target, which is the Lord. And once I experience that, then I can go about the things that he's called me to, like my jobs and all these things, with a love that is proportionate to what he's created us to have for those things. When our desires are met in Christ, we're able to actually desire and enjoy the things God has created us to love and enjoy, but as they are, not as we want them to be. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, thank you um, for this uh, opportunity to take the cruise ship out into the deep water, uh, to be reminded um, and to uh, sit in and consider um, what Augustine said years and years ago, centuries ago, that our hearts are restless until they find rest in you, that our desire is way too deep. Um, to be satisfied in a job, in a friendship, in a marriage, in um, our children. <laughs> uh, all the things that, um, that oftentimes get the weight of my desire. Uh, would you uh, satisfy us this morning with your unfailing love? That we would sing and be joyful uh, for this day uh, that you've given us. Um, thank you. Lord, that your gospel uh, has shown us um, that your greatest desire was to not, um, not have eternity without us, <laughs> that you put eternity in our hearts because you longed uh, for us to be with you where you are. Uh, and so, uh, Lord, thank you. Um, we are the apple of your eye. Uh, we are uh, what you laid down everything for um, so that we could actually experience what we were made to experience, um, the unfailing love of God. So Lord, be our shepherd now as we uh, sing a few songs uh, to screw this truth down into our hearts. Um, be our shepherd, as David said, uh, that we shall not want, uh, but that we may be satisfied by you. In your name, amen.